episode 155 of Australia's number one marketing show. Listen in as I share some podcasting advice, have a fireside chat with a gun copywriter, plus Bruno makes an appearance. What's up? I'm Bruno. I'm Ed Milan Fashion Week. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. G'day, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I am your host, Timbo Reid, but you, yep, you right there, walking the dog, running in the gym, maybe lying in bed, are a motivated small business owner, ready to crank out some red-hot marketing. And that's what we do here. And we are brought to you, speaking of cranking out red-hot marketing, we're brought to you by the very good folks at Net Registry. They are there to get your online marketing sorted big time. Search engine optimization, domain name registration, website design and development, anything. Anything to do with your online marketing efforts Give the guys at Net Registry a bit of a buzz and they will get your online marketing sorted. Netregistry.com.au. And welcome to everyone at The Flying Solo. Is it at or from? Hmm. We'll go with at The Flying Solo community. Now, guys, team, motivated small business owners, big show today. Bit of a forum update. Lots are going on in the small business big marketing forum. I've got a listener question. Um got a small suit business, actually. The question's from a small suit business who started their own show. I love that. They're asking for a bit of um, a few tips. Uh, got some feedback from a listener in Chicago. And then we have a guest. You're going to love this guest because every time I talk copywriting, I know your ears prick up because it's one of those kind of things that we all struggle with, huh? Or is it just me? I'm thinking it's more than me. I'm thinking that there are a number of small business owners that struggle when it's time to put pen to paper or fingers to the keyboard. So I've got Joanna Weeb from uh, Canada, actually. That's where she's from. She's um, from copyhackers.com, and she has got some gold, some copy gold to sprinkle, to sprinkle all over your small business. So plenty going on. We need to get stuck right into it. So what I can tell you is there is plenty going on in the Small Business Big Marketing Forum. Let me give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes peek at some of the topics we're discussing in there. Uh, One of our newer members is asking how to attract more franchisees to his cleaning franchise, which is rocking it, and he needs to to attract more people because uh, things are going well over there. The power of focus, we have got a great discussion going on about the importance of focusing on one big thing at a time. And that came as the result of a wonderful article that was in the paper only on the weekend about a guy, a little tailor in uh, in Melbourne, who all he makes is jeans for 50 bucks, tailor-made jeans for 50 bucks. They're pretty cool looking jeans too, you know, not like those old man ones that you pull up right, you know, right up the top there, the, the Harry High Pants versions, not those, nice jeans. And that's all he does. And he is just busy, busy, busy. So we're talking about the power of focus. We've got some great discussion going on in the forum about Google AdWords. Mike Rhodes, previous guest on the show a couple of episodes ago, who is Australia's leading expert on Google AdWords. He's in the forum answering your AdWords questions, which is absolute gold. 
I posted an interesting uh, discussion the other day after moving house. I've titled it, Who Are You Looking At? And uh, you can find out a little bit more about that. In fact, no, that wasn't about moving house. That was about going shopping for an audio uh, sound system. And I took my my boy along, Mr. 14, along and um, went through a bit of an interesting sales process. So we're talking about that in the, the forum and one of our motivated small business owners is also he's also shared a loss which he regards as a win. He missed a tender, which he calls uh, it's a blessing because it's freed him up to do some other bigger things. So um, great, uh, we have a little part of the forum where it's called the winner's circle where you share your wins and um, interesting to share a loss that's actually a win. So all that's happening in the forum and lots more. You can head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com click on the forum button, and you will be a member before you can say, geez, that forum sounds pretty good. Righto, so this week's listener question comes from Conan Phillips. That's a strong name, Conan Phillips. He is from Kojo Suits. He says, hi, Tim, just thought we would drop you a line to say thank you for your podcast. My business partner and I have been listening for the past few months And whilst not only giving us valuable information and knowledge, they provide us with the inspiration when things get tough, and it has happened quite often during the startup phase. Yeah, look, I'm hearing a lot of businesses doing it tough at the moment. Well, not a lot, but I happen to have come across a few recently. And so uh, if you are one of those businesses that is doing it tough at the moment, well done for tuning into this show, because it can only get better. It can only point north. From now on, that's if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, and I guess it's South if you're in the... Oh, that confuses me. Failed geography. Let's get back to Conan. We have started an online tailor by the name of Kojo Suits, kojosuits.com. Our custom linings are what we really love to do. We can have anything created and for any particular occasion. That's pretty cool. That's a nice little niche, a nice little point of difference. Sometimes the lining of suits, or most of the time, lining of suits aren't really kind of anything to talk about. So that's kind of nice, Conan. With both of us being from Melbourne, and with Melbourne being the sporting capital of the world, that it is, my team are in the preliminary final this weekend. Go Hawks. That was me talking, not Conan. Our inspiration for this business came from our love for our football teams. So we had made a suit with our favourite sporting clubs lining. That would not work for me because my team is uh, Pooh Brown and sort of this goldy, pooey colour yellow. So it's just, they're not attractive colours, but in my heart, I love them. The first wedding we went to after a few beers, we started showing them off a little and realised how much interest there was in something like this. Kojo Suits was then born. Isn't that interesting? Like when you, um, you know, it's the old sharpen your offer on the stone of the market. You know, you've got to listen to what the market's saying. And when people are going, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Sometimes we don't pay any attention to that and disregard it. Uh, And the opposite is true too. When people bag it, you just kind of move on and think, oh, well, nothing to change there. We should always be pivoting, making little tweaks to get better upon once we get feedback from the market. Back to Conan. We recently listened to the episode on creating your own show, and here is a link to our first episode of our show. He started his own show. He must be listening to possibly my interview with Jules Lund uh, a few, about 12 months ago now. Um, So he's created his own show. It's called The Kojo Show. We are not only trying to get our brand out there, but trying to gather information which our target market would be interested in. 
Very, very clever. That's so important. I would encourage anyone listening to this to start their own show. It's just an ace marketing channel. By show, we're talking podcast uh, or vodcast, video or audio, but your own show. Isn't it amazing? Like a small business can have their own show. Now, what I like what Conan's saying here is we're trying to gather information which our target market would be interested in. So this show is not just about suits, right, or lining. That would be boring. You know, the idea, Conan goes on to actually ask for some for some um, tips. I'll, I'll finish what he says and then I'll give you my tips. We understand a high-ticket item such as a suit is not an everyday purchase, but creating the brand awareness, we will hopefully embed a little memory in our potential customer's head for when the time comes for them to purchase a tailored suit. We would appreciate any feedback you could give us. Well, I think you're on the right track, Conan. I think creating your own show is a mighty smart thing to do. Um, if you're listening to this, guys, it's not hard. Like, creating your own show isn't hard. Get over the technical barrier and think of what it would be like. Imagine looking back in six months' time having created six episodes, the podcast episodes or videos. Wouldn't that be amazing? That is just pure content that's going to help your customers buy from you, position you as the expert, as the opinion leader, like Conan is doing. Conan, I've spoken about editorial mission before. I would imagine an editorial mission for your show could be something like styling tips and tricks for blokes who want to look sharp. Right now, I don't know whether you just sell to blokes or women as well, but on the assumption that it's just blokes, um, styling tips and tricks for blokes who want to look sharp. Then in your show, you could be creating content till the cows come home. You could be talking about hair, you could talk about cufflinks, you could talk about accessories, coloring. You know what goes with what. You know, listeners, that I don't know whether to match my socks with my shoes or my pants. It continues to haunt me. you know, there are so many different things you could talk about on a show that was all about styling tips and tricks for having helping blokes look sharp. So if you get clear on that and then you go and identify, Conan, all the questions blokes are asking about how to look sharp, you know, then you create shows, do interviews, share your opinions around that. You are onto something, my friend, I have no doubt. And I'm going to set you a challenge just to finish up. The challenge is I want you to get Bruno on your show. You may find this very hard to believe, but I'm gay. (laughs) I do love Bruno. Honestly, that man makes me laugh. All right, uh, a bit of feedback from a listener over in Chicago, Brett Perry. Brett says, G'day, Timbo. I'm guessing Brent might be a... uh, He might be an Aussie in Chicago. Shouting back across the pond from Sunny old Chicago, walking through the back editions of your podcast and enjoying every second of them. I thought he was going to say every second one of them. That would be a weird way to listen to them. So just quick, I've been retained by a couple of other Aussie maids of mine that are struggling a bit with their legacy type business. It's an outdoor clothing style shop. Wholesale is in the crapola for them at the moment. So I thought a good way of getting them some cash in the door is to get some web sales going through. Already picked up some some of your tips and have pulled the trigger to get things going. Well done, Brett. That's a good thing to do, pulling that trigger. Anyway, mate, again, love your work. I am also extremely happy to have found an Aussie angle to take the lead from. Love you, love the Yanks, but sometimes can't do the over-the-top stuff. You just got to, what's he say? You just cut out a lot of the fluff and get straight to it. Oh, geez, Brett, I've been accused of the opposite, mate. Uh, and then he says, cheers, Brett Parry. Thanks for contacting me, Brett, and uh, well done on introducing an online element to the clothing shop because um, I don't think enough businesses do that. 
I really don't. I think they kind of ignore it. Uh, maybe because it's too hard, too technical. They might think it's too expensive. But um, I reckon if you have got a bricks and mortar business, um, I think it's now time to consider what you could be selling online. And it might not just be, you know, your product. You know, you might put some kind of training program together. Next week, I've got an interview with a handyman who uh, is in where is he? Nevada, uh, and he is a, a, a Nevada-based handyman who has also got some training uh, programs for other handymen on, on his site and some other really interesting things in development. So, hey, anyway, Brett, that's for next week. Brett, thanks for contact for oh, bloop, rewind. <laughs> oh, I trip over my tongue sometimes. Thanks for contacting me and listening to the show from Chicago. Now it is time for this week's very, very special guest. Uh, Put the helmets on, I would suggest, because there is going to be gold not dripping but falling from the ceiling. There is marketing gold in this interview. I know how much you love to hear from copywriters and other kind of service professionals who are helping us small business owners be the best we can be. And today's guest is no different. I got an email from a listener a couple of months ago who said, Hey, Timbo, just listened to episode 148 and was thinking about the question from Sanjay regarding copywriting. Would love to suggest Joanna Weeb from Copy Hackers as a great person to interview. She specifically aims her teachings at bootstrapped entrepreneurs and startups, so I think she would offer lots of value to your small biz audience. Anyway, thanks for your awesome podcast Cheers, Susie. Hey, thanks, Susie. Susie Munro, thanks for making contact and suggesting someone to interview. Now, Joanna is uh, just just ace. I should say Joanne. Joanne. No, Joanna. It is Joanna, like Goanna, is is ace. She's a wonderful copywriter. We talk, uh, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about swiping your copy right from your prospect's mouth, how to research their marketing secrets that are hidden right in front of you stuff to write about, um, have others write your headlines and have your customers love it. We talk about call to actions. We talk about so much stuff. I would suggest you grab a pen and paper. It's one of those episodes, you know, lots of little kind of tips and tricks. Grab a pen and paper, open Evernote and uh, get ready to scribe and scribble madly. Here is Joanna. Joanne Weeb from Copy Hackers, welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. Thanks, Timbo. Ha <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop it. How did you know that? <laughs> I'm just smart that way. Yeah, you are. You're good like that. I don't even know you. <laughs> hey, uh, now you've been heard to say copywriters are the best kept secret in the sales and marketing world, which I absolutely agree with. So oh. besides your bias, given you're a copywriter, w- why do you think that? Uh, it's just entirely based on my bias. No, I'm just <laughs> <Great>. kidding. <laughs> it keeps me employed. Um, no, I say it because I just keep seeing it in results. So we do we do a lot of testing at Copy Hackers, um, and I've done a lot in my life before Copy Hackers, my business. Um, so we just keep seeing it. You know, you run a lot of A/B tests online, um, and more often than not, the ones that we see winning, not even more often than not, like with a really high win rate, um, are those really basic headline tests, button copy changes, and really simple, straightforward copy tests. So I can't help but believe that copy's got an awful lot to do with converting people. 
Yeah, interesting. I often say, and I think, you know, even personalizing this, you know, when you see, when you're reading copy uh, as a consumer, just as a, you know, you know, general bloke, general girl, and think, you know, you're reading it and you're actually engaged in it and mm. it's not hard, it's enjoyable. And, you know, that's smart copy that kind of starts you off broadly and takes you on a journey to possibly inquiry, even a sale. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's definitely the objective I would say for most copy is to, yeah, get them to ideally to a sale, depending where they are, of course, but Mm. to some point of conversion. So they don't just, you know, have this dead end experience with you where they read what you wrote and then walk away and don't do anything. Mm. Um, yeah, that copy should be getting them to do something and ideally, yes, getting them to that amazing, wonderful money-in-your-pocket sale. <laughs> I had um, It's funny, you know, I had Mike Rhodes on recently who's a Google AdWords specialist mm. in Australia and he, he, he was quoted as saying Google AdWords is the closest thing to an advertising money tree and uh, mm. I thought, yeah, I kind of get that. You know, if you get your AdWords right, spend a dollar yeah. and get two back, but I'm guessing you yeah. feel the same about copy. I do. I do. Of course, it's not quite as easy to measure direct results as it is with PPC Mm. (laughs) when you're doing an AdWords campaign. I guess you can say, okay, we did spend a dollar here and we absolutely made this many dollars here. Um, But with copywriting, it's, uh, I mean, it's part of all of your communication, right? At all points when you're sending out, you know, a thank you email to a new client or someone who just bought whatever it is you're selling online, you do a quick follow up. Mm -hmm. Um, That's copy, everything along the way at every point, there's copy and it's so hard so often to measure the success. There are other times when it's quite easy to but, but for every word we, we write, we don't see a dollar associated with that word, which is different from, yeah, the money tree that is PPC. But Mm. yeah, I absolutely see it as being critically attached to making those sales. Now, there's so much we could talk about, but let's just pull back a bit. I want to get to the point where you share with us some some high-converting copywriting tips, some little nuggets that, you know, listeners can walk away with. But let's start at sort of a macro view, Joe, and sort of say, okay, does one copy fit all? Because I know you you spend a lot of time in the online world, but you know, like there's web copy, there's sales letter copy, there's email copy, there's brochure copy, there's even the Christmas card copy. So, like, mm-hmm. if, if 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 a small business owner says, "Okay, I am going to put a writer on my team," mm. um, should that writer be expected to be good at all those uh, outputs? You know, yeah, I think that's a really great question the idea of bringing a writer on staff and what that person should be able to do i mean a writer is a bit of a luxury for a lot of businesses which is kind of shouldn't tragic be. in my opinion so shouldn't be so naughty i mean it's, it's right it's, it's absolutely the case for most businesses you know i did this yesterday at, at, a, at a talk i gave uh put your hand up if you could uh go and get a brochure designed and you know uh right now with it with your graphic designer most hands went up keep your hand up if you could have that brochure written by your copywriter most hands went down Mm, nobody has one mm-hmm. i know a lot of people don't know what copy is or what a copywriter does so if you don't really know to isolate that as a thing 
how could you possibly know that there's a specialist in that area who can make that better for you? Mm. If it just felt like words, right? Oh, I'm just writing. Yeah. No, no, no. But you're writing copy, right? And it's a different, it's an entirely different way of writing. So yeah, to your point about can one person do all these things or should you expect one person to? I mean, that's kind of why I recommend that small businesses in particular um, don't try necessarily to outsource their writing or to bring somebody in to do all their writing. Um, because for small businesses, it is, it's always going to be, I can harp about all I want and say, go invest in a writer. And they, there's other things that are always more pressing because they physically can't work Photoshop, but they mm. physically can work okay. word. Right. So yeah, yeah. there's a limitation there that keeps people from being in a place where they can hire a writer. So, okay, fine. If you can't hire one, learn how to do it yourself. Don't you don't have to like go to some crazy huge course and become a copywriter, but learn how to do it. And a lot of it is just paying attention to what you're seeing out there and and reading, you know, blog posts and little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you'll you know eventually start to identify differences between brochure copywriting and Christmas card copywriting and similarities between those things too. And what should kind of be the same across all of your media and all the different you know, materials that you have for your business. But I do believe that a, a small business owner um, and a, a growth hacker can write their own copy probably better than if they brought some junior copywriter in, like fresh out of college or something like that. No offense to junior copywriters, but... <laughs> Hello to all you junior writers out there. So, uh, look, I, I get that. Um uh, it's interesting hearing you say that um, because I get the fact that, yeah, it's hard to learn Photoshop, so bring in the designer. We all have a pen. We all have a keyboard, um, so get writing. However, wow, and, and I also agree that most small business owners will be the best at writing their own copy because it's right. coming from their heart, their personality, their tone of voice. I get that. However, what mm. a time suck. I know. <laughs> hey, uh, it is a time investment. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it is. It's absolutely. Yeah, I know. I know. But I'm just going, you know, and right now, here's the thing. What I know for all my listeners is the reason they're not cranking out great marketing, and many are because they listen to this show, is that they have these limiting beliefs around lack of time, lack of money, lack of knowledge, right? So they're all, yeah. it's kind of, they're all spitting out working in their business. And now you're telling them to write their own copy. So, um, I, I, do, I do get that, but it is a it's hard one to get your head around. Well, you're welcome to outsource it if you want to, but then I would say be prepared to invest in it. If you actually think that if you actually want to sell something, then you have to, for me at least, if you want to sell something, it's critical that you identify copy as a key part of making that sale happen. Mm-hmm. It it is. So okay. So if you say, well, we want to make of this campaign, we're running a promotion in our store or through our emails or whatever it is that we're doing as a small business. We're going to run this promotion. We want to make $10,000 off this promotion, um, 10,000 in profit, then be ready to invest though a decent amount to, to, to get there. And I would say invest in, in a copywriter, but copywriters don't come cheap. So mm. I wish that, you know, I know it takes a lot of time to write it yourself. And I know learning to do it yourself takes even more time, right? And there's all this upskilling that has to happen, which is super time consuming. Mm. But on the flip side, if you want to get great copy, I mean, great copywriters are, are frankly, just keeping it real, extremely expensive. Um, it really, it really... <laughs> 
it really adds up. So I can't help but think, okay, small business owner, <laughs> there are a lot of things you can delegate. You can delegate all day long, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and some things don't require a certain skill level. But when for me, for me, and again, you're right, as you said at the beginning, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm biased, <laughs> but I've seen it. It There's a certain skill that... Ugh, if you're going to pay someone to do your copy, they better do it really well. Yeah, you've got me. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from now. So what you're saying is identify all those other things. And I talk a lot about the virtual marketing team. As a small business these days, we can surround ourselves with marketing specialists in all sorts of categories. So outsource your AdWords, outsource your SEO, outsource your design, but and, and, and in, in, with the aim of freeing yourself up to write. Ideally, right? At least to write maybe until, uh, yeah, for one, yes, I agree with you absolutely yeah, yeah. there. And I, and I love how you're putting yourself out of a job. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I get it. I don't even, I, I hear it. Yeah. But there's always, I think, going to be work for copywriters out yeah. there, hopefully. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess the only part that makes me hesitate, and it's something that I tend to not give enough thought to is that there are people out there who just desperately hate writing. Yep. There are others who think, you know, who have a novel in their desk that they're working on, nobody knows about, they actually secretly love writing. Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, journalers and things like that. But but there is a large group of people out there or a large percentage of small business owners um, who who don't want to sit in front of the page and put something down on it. And if it's going to take that much then you know if it's if it's going to be this major hassle for you then yeah then then put some some money aside and invest in outsourcing yeah. that to someone who's skilled not in content creation but in copywriting there's a distinction between those two between someone who might write a blog post for you and someone who will write your homepage for you hold that thought because i want to talk i want to investigate that a little bit more um one thought i had just to finish this conversation about who should write the copy and how do you go about getting it done is that uh, a mate of mine only last week has been kind of going through this process of should i get a writer should i write my own copy what he's ended up doing is writing the first draft and mm. then going, okay, now it's time to get a professional to do the uh, to cast a professional eye over it. And um, not only is this fellow um, incredibly poor at grammar and spelling, so <laughs> like he needs an editor and a writer. But uh, so I thought that that's kind of interesting in itself, you know. Do get yeah. get the first draft down. That'll be coming from your heart as the business owner, your tone of voice, and then get someone to um to clean it up. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, the best writing usually happen happens in that editing phase. If you can get your thoughts down on the page and hopefully have those thoughts informed by what you know about what you're offering and what you know about what your customers want from mm -hmm. you or what they most desire, if you can get that stuff down first, then yeah, the magic tends to happen in the editing phase when you go in and apply, you know, little tricks and cleanup techniques and things like that to make your copy perform better anyway. Love it. So, so Joe, let's talk then about just going back to that concept of different types of copy. You mentioned, you know, there's content creation, there's mm. copywriting, you know, sort of within that there's website, copy, sales letters, emails, back to the Christmas cards. Um, mm -hmm. Again, is that... Well, now, now the business owner is writing it all. But what, what? Tell me the differences between these things. <laughs> um, so I do think there are some of those things that the business owner doesn't have to write. It's really the sales copy that I, I, I keep close to the chest. Right. The other stuff. Um, when you're talking about like creating a blog post, there are people who 
um, who can do that for you very easily. If you want to write, you know, the six ways to, um, I don't know. I've, I have all these, like, I have pet grooming going on in my head, but so I almost said the six ways to like neuter a dog, but that's awful. Go for it. Hey, there will be a pet groomer listening, Joe. So don't, don't oh. be shy. Okay. Hey? Six well, ways okay. to groom a Dalmatian. Exactly. Without, without losing the spots. <laughs> That's a good point. And that without is an important part of copywriting because that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say though that sort of thing can be easily researched and there are basic principles to follow when you're writing a blog post. So you could kind of outsource that without feeling too weird about it, right? Like someone can go write, can go research that for you and write an appropriate blog post. And then, you know, if it's not catchy enough, you can do little things in that to clean it up. Mm -hmm. But that's the kind of thing I would outsource. That's, those those content marketing pieces um, where you're producing free content to generate interest, to bring traffic to your site, to get people to share, mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff, I feel is oftentimes, unless, unless your content marketing is your business, um, then a lot of the times that can be outsourced. Mm -hmm. and, and then more creative things like, you know, producing a tagline. Or like the actual tagline that goes below your logo, if you choose to have that, or doing the Christmas card, as you say, um, those kinds of peripheral elements, um, I would feel also okay about outsourcing. Like a, a copywriter like myself, I wouldn't work on anybody's tagline. It's it, it, it doesn't. That's that's really I've found. I've been an agency writer. I've been an in-house writer at big companies and little ones too. Um, and an agency can handle that kind of stuff. An agency can make you, can come up with taglines all day long for you. And there'll be some really amazing creative ones in there. And one of them is bound to work. And same as for the, you know, creative on the Christmas card, right? Same thing. They can do that for you. So I would say you can also outsource that. Mm -hmm. But it's the sales stuff. Yeah. The stuff where your people are on your website. You've only got so much time with them. Um, you need to get the right people who think about the ecosystem, right? Everything that's going on with optimizing a website or a web experience, including email and the user experience and mm -hmm. the ads that drove them there or the pages, whatever they were that drove them there. This, again, this larger picture of like a, a larger ecosystem, getting people thinking about that. That's the kind of copywriting that to me, um, feels like if you're not going to do it yourself, don't outsource that to a content marketer or a, a person who writes blog posts because they're completely different things. Does that make sense? Is the distinction obvious or no? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and it's where the money is. I mean, this, yes. when you start talking sales letters, uh, website, homepages, landing pages, whatever it is, you know, calls to action to get people, you know, if you've got a website where the first thing you want people to do is, is sign up for something so that you can develop a list and have an ongoing conversation with them, then I can see massive value in having a writer uh, or use the word manipulate uh, that copy so that they do sign up. And when they sign up, that series of that emails that are going to come through your autoresponder um, mm -hmm. is just as important. So, um yeah, I can see that being being yeah. really important. And if you were to outsource anything and and were to pay the big bucks for a writer, and they are big bucks, um, <laughs> um, then that that would be where it's at. Agreed. And I just further to that, if they're not big bucks, honestly, any copywriter who's got results in the past 
knows their value and mm-hmm. is highly likely to charge you accordingly. So I personally, this might sound like stupid. Um, not that anything stupid it might sound silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if they're not charging like a premium, that'd be a flag for me. I, I wouldn't hire a copywriter to work on my sales copy who didn't charge a premium because I mean, if they're any good, they'll know they're good. Well, I, I, I think what you've got nope. to do in hiring – no, yeah, I agree. I just think in hiring that writer for that such important job, you are going to want to see uh, – you'd want to speak to a client of theirs for whom they generated um, a decent sale for. Yes, at least one, right? You don't, <laughs> otherwise, you yeah. shouldn't be paying a premium for someone who's only had you know one or two clients because th- they need more experience yeah. under their yeah. belt. Isn't it John Carlton or Dan Kennedy? Which one? Who who charges some exorbitant amount to even start a project because they just know that they're going to turn on the money tap? Oh, I, I know who doesn't. I mean, definitely. You said Dan Kennedy. I don't even. I, can you even hire him? <laughs> Is it like possible? Yeah. yeah, you have to fly him in on a private jet that's set at a perfect temperature, and he has to be fanned <laughs> with giant feathers the whole time. Uh, I heard you're not dissimilar, so uh, you know, <laughs> it takes one to know one. Yeah, right. Now, listeners, I am talking to Joanne Weeb from Copy Hackers. I'll give you her tagline on a website where startups learn to convert like mofo's. How rude! Now, uh, in fact, a previous guest, great, I love the love the word mofo, a previous guest was Andre from Vino Mofo, which is an online oh. wine retailer in Australia. So um, Nice. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes. Mofo is an underused word in marketing. I think you're right. And, you know, <laughs> it's a great example. Like, let's talk personality because one of the great things about good copy is having that that tone of voice that personality that represents your brand and um you know it was interesting using andre as the example with with vino mofo um it's a great example of injecting personality into the brand because andre was sick and tired of the of the wine industry talking about black current overturns and you know <laughs> caffeine underbelly and you know all this kind of wacky wine talk and yeah. um, so he's just created this online wine retailer, Vino Mofo, where they just talk in normal terms, you know, oh. about how that wine tastes. I love it. I love that there is that if you're willing to go there and if you think about it, there's so much like potential liberation in starting your own business and truly doing it how you want to do it with like like something that's legit, that's like true to who you are, right? If you would call it, mofo like just say it and then you know it's refreshing for not only for your audience but for you so you don't have to fake who you are the whole time therefore the writing becomes easier i I would encourage and uh surely a major part of a brief to either a a writer or to yourself when you're writing is just be crystal clear on the personality of your brand what are those three four maybe five personality traits that you know that represent you that are you and not your competitors Totally. What a great way to distinguish yourself with personality, given that emotion is how we make buying decisions. And then, you know, of course, later support that with logic or validate it with something logical. Mm. But in the beginning, the way we connect is on emotion and how much better, like we connect as human beings with one another based on our personalities and, and likenesses. So it feels like there's this this obvious emotional pull just in the way that you communicate. Um, And there are probably a lot of people out there who want you to communicate naturally uh, the way you are because they'd like to hang out with you Mm. as 
a human being too. Yeah. So showing that self is really good. And sometimes it takes work though, right? Like we've been trained to really think a lot before we put anything down on the page or to edit ourselves before we even write or that our, the way we said that was wrong. And here's the white, right way to say it. Mm. But when you're writing your own stuff, you can actually like do it your own way. And if you have to, you know, have a drink, have a glass of wine as you're writing your copy to like chill out and loosen up a bit about it. I, whatever works, right. To get you to have that personality come through. Yeah. 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 Uh, there, there's your secret sauce, alcohol. <laughs> Bloody always- Canadians. <laughs> Love it. You should talk. Yeah, yeah, true, true. You know us too well. You know, I, I, again, this uh, at this event I was talking at yesterday, um, there was a fellow in the audience who's uh, who is selling into academia, you know, into universities and 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 educated people, and he was really struggling in some of the content he was having to write because he felt as though he had to pitch it. Uh, at this this client base that he put on a pedestal because they were professors, professors and associate professors and all these learned people, and he he was finding it really hard and in the end just resisting it. And we had this kind of discussion which led down the exact path that we're talking about. Like, be yourself. You know, first and foremost, my view is um, people are people first before they're business owners or professors or anything else. You know. And people buy from people. And so I, I think it's really important to understand what your brand's about and be true to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you could be really um, a game changer too if you were to talk more naturally to professors. I mean, they're not all stodgy men up on a hill with white beards, right? Like, Aren't they? El- <laughs> 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 maybe where you are right <laughs> actually right. maybe where i am too. yeah okay i mean there were a lot like that but then there were some really cool ones too right who were like always you know not that i'm supporting drugs but they were like <laughs> always clearly on something and um so there's a range of human beings in there there's a range of, of people and by the way yeah. like the best-selling books are the most fantastic imaginative ones, right? That have people all over the world that old scholars and yeah. accountants and lawyers and all of these and engineers, people who are supposed to be, you know, emotionless and you're supposed to talk to them in this very formal or jargony way. They're all buying these books and going to movies. They're humans. They yeah, want to yeah. be entertained Correct. and they want to engage and feel connected. So it's, it's, I don't know, it seems like a really old idea to believe you have to talk to a certain profession in a certain way. Mm. Mm. Okay. Now, Joe, w- w- let's get into, uh, let's roll the sleeves up and get under the hood and, and give our listeners some kind of how-tos because, what you know, I, I think your advice earlier about, hey, look, you don't have to outsource, but if you're not going to outsource and write your own copy, then learn some stuff. Get, you know, bone up on some, some copy basics and spend time uh, understanding what makes great copy. Now, um, whilst you come up with some just unbelievable wis- wisdom, <laughs> I'm going to open the batting, which is a cricket term, which you don't even know what that is. No. So, but it's it's no, a kind don't. of a sporting analogy um, by saying that surely, as you sit down to write, you are going to have to have someone in mind. Yeah, and that's someone yeah. I call them your best mates. That person who has the highest propensity to want to buy from you. But um, tell me, I, I, I'm assuming you agree with me. If you don't say so, but if you do, then how do you identify that person? How do you frame that person in your mind? Yeah, I do. I, I absolutely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that what's problematic, though, um, 
is when you're new, when you're starting to communicate or, or building your business and kind of finding your voice, let's say in the first, you know, three years, um, it's easy to lose sight of that quote unquote best mate that you're trying to talk to. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's easy to lose sight of that and focus instead on a few of the negative Nellies you may have heard from along the way, right? Like the guy who says, Oh, you're too salesy. Um, when all you're trying to do is move a product, like that's like what you do. You're a business. Mm. So you're, of course, yeah, you're yeah. going to sell sometimes, yeah. but you hear these <laughs> negative things along the way. And those guys can get into your head more than your prospective oh, customer yeah. does. So I think that's a big one is who to push out and who to let in. So let in, like you say, that person that that would most likely want to get this from you and end up happy with it, happy enough, hopefully, to talk about you or come back and say nice things to you so you feel good before you go to bed at night mm. um, and push out the bad guys. I have in my head people who have said along the way things that have kept me back and they didn't mean any harm by it they just thought that they were helping like coach me <laughs> in growing my business and it it made me edit myself so i felt like i don't know it 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 didn't work for me to follow those negative that negative feedback and i'd much rather fo focus on the positive right but yes focus on the person um, who's most likely to buy from you and be really really happy with what they purchased from you getting to know that person is another question entirely yeah no i absolutely agree and and I, I would imagine getting to know them really um getting to know their problems that you can solve kind mm -hmm. of what what's bugging them yep get all of it right what they love what like they crazy love who they love the kinds of places that they spend their free time particularly online if you're trying to um, communicate with them online, not because you're planning on advertising in those spaces, but because it can help to know that your audience spends a lot of time on things like crack.com or other, you know, these kind of jokester sites and things like mm -hmm. that, if that's the case, rather than assuming that, you know, making assumptions about people find out where they go. And you can find out a lot of, a lot of times just by asking them, which is like, scary yeah. in some cases but then once you get that information you're like how did i ever try to live without this and grow my business without this more intimate knowledge of exactly whom i'm speaking with yeah yeah totally you, you talk about um swiping the copyright from your prospects mouths mm -hmm. tell me about that Yes, <laughs> that's where, so when we say that you should write a first draft, okay, that's, that's fine. I think then though, be sure to edit in that voice of customer, which is quote unquote voice of customer data, right? The things that people are saying about you, um, to you or out in the world, out and out and out and about. Yeah. Yeah. We say about, but you say about. It was about. I said it right. Okay. Okay. You go with that. <laughs> I'll reply it later. <laughs> Oh, hell. <laughs> I know Canadians aren't supposed to say about or one other one because everyone's like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really gotcha. Canadian. Gotcha. But anyway. So swiping copy from the prospect's mouth, that's, uh, yeah. that, is that just kind of listening in and, and listening to how they talk and, and what they talk about when they're talking about your business or your industry or the brands that you sell? Well, it's one part, yeah, eavesdropping on them, right? If you know where they hang out, go pay attention to the way they talk there. Yep. Um, but it's also when you get things like 
testimonials. Let's say you get a natural language testimonial. Someone wrote and said, oh, this is awesome. Or you saw they posted on Twitter about something really cool that that your service did. Um, that's the kind of the language that they're using there. Twitter is often hard because there's so few characters to mm -hmm. work with. But it's a really natural place for like testimonial-ish stuff to occur or to be communicated. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like other testimonials that are just sent into you, right? Like, oh, I loved your book or whatever it might be. Um, and the natural language that's usually hidden inside there, these interesting things. So we did a test actually recently. Um, well, this was a couple months ago where we were trying to determine really the value proposition for this company. Um, we couldn't get our heads around it entirely. They couldn't because they were so they're too close to it, right? Which is often a problem for small businesses because you're in it. You yeah, think yeah, yeah. that would be a really good part, but sometimes it just like buries you. It's just too much to see through. Um, so we were all trying to figure out what the value proposition was for this company and then to try to use it as a headline on the homepage, which is what we often recommend to copy hackers that you do. So we came up with all these things on our own, right? Oh, here's one thing we think is unique and highly desirable. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. And none of them were performing well in this ABCD test. It was, this, it was getting into a pretty big test of these headlines. And so we were like, oh, that sucks. So we went and looked through their site and I stumbled across this testimonial they had on some random page where um, the person had said, um, your solution, whatever the, the company name, I, um, I can't actually remember it because my memory is terrible for names, but, um, they said it saves us 99% of, of paper every month or something on paperwork every month. And it was the language 99% uh, on your paperwork or something like that. It was that exact phrase that we pulled right. directly from a testimonial. It was already sitting there on their website. It just needed to be elevated. We tested that as the headline and it was the results were practically instant because the conversions were flying in on that one compared to yeah, love it. other terrible ones. So yeah, that's yeah. a right an example of going out, looking at what you already have heard from customers and just identifying like the gold in there and using that as your message. You don't even have to put it in quotes, right? Just take out the good stuff and call that headline. So, so what you say? Great copy should should it mirror how your customers think and feel about your business? It should mirror it, and it should also just plain state it, mm. right? Just just take exactly what they said and put it over here. <laughs> take mm. take the you know when you, this is another really good trick. It, it's it's good, I think, when you start using it and practicing it, and it's a little hard from what I understand the first time. So if anybody decides to do this, do it more than once and it'll start making more sense. But the idea is that you head on over to Amazon. So you're trying to find messages. Maybe you don't have customers yet, or you're scared to reach out to get testimonials or to do interviews. Uh, you yep. sent out surveys and they're not coming back with anything that's really useful. Their long answers are like really scripted or short or not that helpful. So you can't get to that, you know, voice of customer data that we're looking for. You're not finding anything. So you don't always have to go look at your customers. You can look at the type of people who might be your customers and see what they're saying and swipe messages from them. So this is the exercise is to go, let's say that your topic is, I did this actually um, with really great success for a rehab um, in Florida. They were trying to optimize their site and, and I was helping them with that. I went to Amazon and looked up books on um 
alcoholism, on living with an alcoholic, on overcoming drug addiction. And it wasn't the books I was worried about so much as the language that was used in the book reviews. Amazon is, as anybody who's bought a book there knows, just completely packed with a lot of really detailed, wonderful book reviews. Mm. And in those reviews, there are so many um, unscripted, but easy to understand messages that people are sharing about what matters to them, what hurts them, what's, you know, really interesting to them, what delights them, what they're still curious about and haven't gotten an answer to yet. All sorts of things that are like, amazing for trying to write copy. So you don't have to think it up. You're going to go look at Amazon book reviews and they're going to tell you like what is going on, what their needs are, what their wants are, what's still missing for them that someone else needs to fill for them. So I went and did this exercise where I went through reviews and looked for essentially just things that stood out when it comes down to it. And there was this one phrase, um, this gentleman had written um, a book review for something about um, alcoholism and his line that he said in there uh, was, if you think you need rehab, you do. And um, it's pretty straightforward language, right? Someone might say that walking, you know, talking to somebody. Oh, well, if you think you need rehab, you probably do. Um, and that was the phrase. And we pulled it out and tested that as a homepage headline. And they internally, everybody was voting against this because this tone was completely different from what you're used to seeing in rehab spaces right where it's always very quite floral and don't worry and hear like really long stories and things like that too and this was really straight into the point and it performed like crazy i think they got 400 percent more leads with this headline than before and for a rehab center something like that if anybody's heard this me tell the story before yeah. It might have been 383 or something like that. <laughs> but there was a large, a huge percentage increase of um, leads that they got. And of course, every lead for them is worth $25,000 at minimum yeah, to yeah. fill a bed. So it all really adds up. And all you had to do was go out and look. Joey, that you don't mind if I call you. You don't mind if I call you Joey because uh, that, that is uh, that is the tip of the day. I need a little anthem to play. Um, <laughs> that's gold. I love that stuff because that just makes sense. I mean, there is so much pre-existing content yes. and knowledge and advice and and copy sitting there. Yeah. And and yeah, I've I've ne never thought of going to Amazon and looking for it. Um, you know, I'm thinking as you're speaking about that, I get a lot of listener emails. I get a lot of reviews on iTunes and I read mm. them because it makes it pumps me up and can allows me to continue to do what I do. But now I'm going to look at them in a completely different light and look at the language that they're using and what they're focusing on and include that in future emails. Look out listeners. <laughs> now they're going to be really careful when they send you an email. Yeah, 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 that's right. They're going to go, okay, I got an email from Tim and then they're going to head over to Amazon and look up marketing books for small business and see which review I've copied. Uh, no, that's great. That's gold, Joe. Thank you. Um, good, did you know, good. you know, Joey, I called you Joey before. That's a baby kangaroo. Yeah, I know. Yeah. My dad used to call me that. Cool. Hey, um, now uh, we've got th that's three tips. I like to work in odd numbers. I want to get a couple more, but so far we've got to understand your audience, swipe copy straight from your customer's mouth, head over to Amazon and look at the reviews and see what people are saying in regards to books related to your industry. I've heard you talk, I've, I've done a little bit of investigating. Some would call it stalking, but um, 
that, that would be wrong. But you talk about three levels of calls to three levels of, of a call to action to mm. increase conversions. Now, one thing I know for sure is that many of us small business owners don't spend enough time thinking, what do we want people to do having read my copy? And that would be a call to action. So tell us about these three levels. Oh, so the three levels. So the ones I talk about in book four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are we talking about like primary, secondary? Oh, are we talking ne- about like as you're moving through an experience? Hang on. Just let me get the geek alert siren sound effect, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let, let's let's actually keep that simple because let's talk call to action. You know, don't, don't worry about the three levels. Let's talk call to action um, and, and the importance of it. And how one should approach it in their writing. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, we've just done this really, we're actually still finishing it. It's this mega experiment on buttons um, across like 20 plus startup small business websites um, where we were testing just just buttons, just calls to action to see, you know, what's really working. And if we can, you know, triangulate some data across a bunch of different tests to see if we can actually make conclusions, right? Um, so we're learning some things, definitely, um, in addition to the things that we already believed to be true. Um, and And one of those is moving um, I don't want to say I've been saying this, but I'm not I'm not comfortable with the phrase yet, but I'm gonna say it, but it's not it's not final. It's just yeah. an idea that we're working hey, with. Let's workshop it. Okay. It's really about um calls. I'm, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say calls to value rather than calls to action. So when we're talking about calls to action, we tend to make that more about the action, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is fine, yeah, yeah. which is good, right? It's good. They need to have that action word in there to know mm. to take action. I think that's good. Um, but we often leave out the critical stuff that's going to get them to take that action, like reminders of the outcome that they're about to see or about to get when they actually sign up to, to work with you or to use your solution. Okay. So what, you, what you're identifying is I would call them little taps on the shoulder along the way to say, Hey, by the way, just check out the value that you're going to get by buying from me. Yeah. And I mean, we've called those click triggers in the copy hackers in book four. We refer to them like the little messages you put around a button as like a click trigger. It's the thing that's going to trigger them to click. So it's yeah, a click yeah, trigger, yeah. right? Gotcha. Little last minute things that should push them over that, that wall that's keeping them away. Yep. But the value part seems to be, to me, more built into the button copy itself. So the copy that's on the button, instead of saying, you know, donate now, it's talking more about the value associated with like, what are how are you going to feel when you donate? Yeah, I don't want to donate now, right, which is a friction word. And we talk about friction words quite a bit on our blog. Um, I don't want to donate now. That's not my goal as a human being is to donate now. That's my task at the moment. But it's not my goal. I don't mm. I don't feel about donating that's that's work so donates the action you're looking for the be- you're looking for the outcome or the benefit of donating yeah yeah and so i've called it value because if i just said benefit i think that i would limit myself to just benefits and i'm thinking about it when it's actually like this just all good things it's called to goodness mm. <laughs> it's a call to mm. amazing wonderful feelings yep. um but that's yeah 
No, I get that. I mean, at the end of the day, we were writing copy to do something. We want people to to do something or feel something, and uh, I get those calls to value, uh, which obviously then leads to a call to action, which is call me, visit me, register here, buy this, whatever it's going to be. But um, in order to get someone there, there's got to be a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, of calls to value along the way. So I get that. Not sure calls to value is the right phrase. Not, it feels a bit kind of clunky. It's something closer, right? It's it's a movement mentally as I'm thinking of writing a button, which we tend to write extremely quickly, right? We mm. just throw down, oh, well, submit, which is why the submit button is yeah, yeah, know, yeah. so huge, right? Even if anybody had ever thought about that, they wouldn't have put that in. Um, nobody wants to submit. Well, <laughs> I guess a certain group of like 50 shades of gray people want Correct. to submit or something like that. But but in this case, not so much. So um, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not cause value, but it's something. So I challenge all of your listeners to find out what that something is. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting discussion because what you've highlighted here, um, listeners, we've got listeners who are, you know, like dentists and, and accountants and, you know, bricks and mortar small businesses. And some of them, you know, we're talking about an online internet marketing kind of play here, which is, you know, the importance of the button. And and some of them will be going, why are they talking about the button? And, you know, what about all the other kind of copy things? But I think the, the learning here, guys, is the fact that um, these little things, the little, you've all got a website and all those websites have got buttons, whether they be navigation buttons or buttons to register for something or to make an inquiry. These little things are so important. You know, mm. in fact, yeah. it's it's the pointy end. You know, if you look at copy as going, well, you start off broad and you have this kind of conversation that settles people in to a mm-hmm. journey to inquiry or buying something, then the pointy end is the call to action. And um, yeah. so. Absolutely. And, and further to that, when we're thinking of that like inverted pyramid, um, I would say that you should to write a page really well to move people closer to that pointy end, I would start with the pointy end, start with the call to action, start with the thing that you want them to mm-hmm. do, and then build out around that. And you're constantly a- answering questions. Is this enough to get them to, to do it, to get closer to my button? And then once I'm on the button to click it, right? If you start with your button, mm. um, fra- it is a, it's a trick of the trade, but that's a much easier way to figure out what copy needs to be on the page and what doesn't, what messages need to be there and what don't. If you're trying to get someone to sign up to, you know, get a free consult with you or, or learn about teeth whitening if you're a dentist, mm-hmm. um, then knowing what that call to action is, is and working out from there rather than starting at a headline and trying to work down to your call to action. Um, you can see that it, it, Frankly, it gets a lot easier when you start with the button and work out. Yeah, good advice, Joe. Hey, one la- I'm going to put you on the spot here. you got 30 seconds oh. to give me oh. because I just like to round it off. You know, it's the anal retentiveness in me that needs <laughs> five tips and not four. Four is just not working for me. So um, five last-minute kind of little quick, quick and dirty copywriting tip for the small business owner. In 30 seconds? Yeah, 20 now. Do I wonder? Okay, 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 okay. I like the challenge, but I'm stressed about it. Okay, um, for any testimonial, use an introductory 
header bit to reinforce what the testimony is going to say. Um, okay, 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 okay. Uh, yeah. Moving out. Um, make sure your attention, your headline grabs people's attention. It's not there to sell. Mm. It's there to grab attention. That doesn't mean it has to have like explosions in it, but it has to grab attention, not sell, move people down to the next line. That's tip number three. Every line should lead people down to the next line. Tip number four, oh. really short, only necessary form fields. Am I out of time? You are so out of time, but that that second last one, I didn't get the last one, but the second last one about every line should lead someone onto the next line, that, that one excites me. I, I do like that, and it's a um, that's not easy to do, but if you think about someone gets to the end of a sentence, that's a point where you go, do I keep reading or don't? So, uh, yeah, I love that. Hey, Joanne Weeb from Copy Hackers, thanks so much for being uh, a contributing part to the small business big marketing tribe it's been great it's been fun thank you for having me on thanks for listening everyone absolutely and 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 guys um i will put some links in the show notes but head over to copyhackers.com and um you've there is so much gold there so many beautiful little freebies and things that you can buy to actually improve your copywriting so so on head over there thanks joe thank you timbo well what about that Marketing gold right there. Uh, thank you, Joanne Weeb. I got it wrong as I introduced her. You probably picked that up. I'm not very good with names. I, I get faces right. Names kind of freak me out a bit. Hey, three learnings. Again, so many more. I'd be interested to know what your learnings were, but I'll share you my top three from that little fireside chat with a gun copywriter. Number one, write your first draft and then get a writer. I like that. I have often been known to say, just go and get a writer on your virtual marketing team and get them to write everything, which I still think is a valid idea, but I also, as a second idea, in order for you to get your copy sorted out, go and find, uh, uh, go and write your copy first, whether it be a sales letter or an email or a web page or a blog post, get that done, you write it, and then hand it off to a copywriter. I think that is uh, that is a lovely idea. And just go to Elance or Freelancer or Odesk and find yourself a copywriter if you're wondering where to do that. Number two, I like the idea of heading over to Amazon and reading the reviews and finding out what people loved and what was missing and what they didn't love uh, in regards to books that are relevant to your business, to your industry, to the brands that you sell. Like that one. Number three, this kind of, I was reminded of this uh, when I was talking to Joanne, and that is find your voice, own your voice, be who you are, use the language that you use. Don't be someone that you're not when you're writing your copy. Just because it's copy, it's still you. It's still you speaking, okay, and representing your brand. So three tips. I'd love to know what yours were. This is episode 155 of Small Business Big Marketing, head over to the show notes and uh, and tell me what you think. I love reading those. Hey, next week, we have got Daniel Perry. Daniel is a handyman in Nevada, cranking out a nice little business and income for himself, and he is completely transparent. Along whilst doing his handyman business, he's running another business in which he reveals his entire income, his expenses, how he went about getting work, how many customs he's got, like total transparency in order to inspire other handy people worldwide. And I think that's really interesting. So we're having a bit of a chat with him. It turns into a bit of a marketing consultation, actually, as we uh, as we go deep into that interview. Um, and I, I think he appreciated some of the tough marketing love I gave him along the way. Don't forget to join the Small Business Big Marketing Forum at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Click on the forum button and 
I just got to say a big thanks, a big virtual hug to the guys at NetRegistry for making this show possible. And if you want to support the show in some way, shape or form, you can do that in many ways. One would be to head over to NetRegistry and employ them in some way to improve your online marketing. Hey, I've enjoyed bringing this to you. I hope your business has benefited just that little bit in you dedicating the time to have a listen to this show. You are a motivated motivated small business owner. I am Timbo Reed, and we will see you next week. May your marketing be the best marketing. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reed. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.